What's up, you guys? So in today's episode of the Sexy Strong Sustainable Podcast, we're going to be going over gut health. What is gut health? What is the gut? And what is this kind of buzzfeed word that we've been hearing so much about over the past couple of years? So we're going to chat about what the gut is, what it does, what it means to have good gut health, how the gut relates to hormones, how we can get better gut health and improve our gut health, how long it takes to get better gut health, why you might need better gut health, what are some symptoms and signs, and then we're also going to go over kind of a summary at the end for kind of the key takeaway points that I want you guys to get out of this. So let's start out with what is the gut. When you hear people refer to their gut or their gut health, we usually just think of the area around your stomach that kind of like gets a little bit too big when you have too many beers, you know, but there's a lot more to the gut than just that. So just referring to that physical area in the body is kind of uh, misleading because the gut actually is your entire GI or gastrointestinal tract. So it's everything. It starts at your mouth actually, and it goes down to your esophagus, to your stomach, to the small intestines, to the large intestine, and then all the way down through the rectum and anus. And so that entire chain is the gut. So it actually starts in your mouth. So someone talking about the gut could be talking about any physical location from their mouth all the way out their anus, anywhere that food is processed, basically. It's one of the largest human interfaces and generally spans from around 250 to 400 meters in length. So it's pretty large and it's obviously much more than just your stomach. So when you feel bloated, there could be a lot more to it than just something going on in your stomach. It could be something, if it's a gut, a true gut issue, there's many, many things that could be happening there. So that kind of leads us into what does the gut do? Like, why do we care about the gut? What's important about the gut? Well, the primary role of the gut is to process all food and nutrients that you eat. So digestion starts in the mouth, actually, when you start chewing, and saliva, the enzymes in your saliva are mixed with the food you eat to begin breaking down that food right from the get-go in your mouth before you even swallow it. Now, this is one of the reasons that I actually really, really, really like to emphasize for all of my client, my one-on-one clients and all of you guys in general as well to really take time to chew your food. Because that is where digestion really starts. That's where nutrient extraction starts. That's where you start to send the signal to your brain that you're eating. It helps with a host of benefits, including not only nutrient extraction, but satisfaction from your food, your body kind of registering what it is that you're actually eating. And then it helps for the rest of the digestive process to go smoothly as well, just by adequately chewing your food. So I always recommend to my clients actually to take 20 to 30 bites to chew every single bite of food. And that actually, if you count it out, for most people, that's a lot. Most people scarf down their food in about five to 10 bites. So I encourage you to challenge yourself to try to practice chewing your food a little bit more, chewing every single bite of food that you take 20 to 30 times. That is where digestion starts. And that right there can be the very first thing you do to help improve your digestion on an overall basis. Now, after we get from the mouth, muscles contract to move food down the esophagus and into the stomach, where the chemicals of the stomach begin to digest the food and the nutrients that you eat, and they begin to break food down into its most basic form so that it can be absorbed by the bloodstream. Some food and liquid that you absorb or that you ingest is 
absorbed through the stomach lining, but most of it moves on to the small intestine, and that's where it's truly broken down into its nutrient components and then absorbed into the bloodstream for the most part. Food mixes with the enzymes there to break it down, and then it's able to be absorbed through the wall of the gut into the bloodstream. Some of this food does move on from the small intestine into the large intestine, but the large intestine mostly processes liquids and helps um, with the byproducts of all the food that's already been kind of digested and, or extracted, we should say, from the small intestine and the large intestine is where feces are formed. So what is good gut health? When someone refers to good gut health, what does that mean? If we're just talking about the digestive tract, everybody has a digestive tract, right? Everybody digests food when they eat it. So what does it mean to have good gut health? Well, there's multiple components to this and we could have a whole, you know, five hour podcast just about gut health. So I want to preface by saying that this is just kind of the very basics of gut health, just for you guys to understand what it means when people are saying they want to improve the health of their gut or they have gut issues, or maybe you're saying those things and you don't even realize what you're saying or you don't even realize what you mean by saying that, or you can kind of, if someone has told you, maybe a professional has told you, oh, you have all these problems with your gut, hopefully this will help you kind of understand what that means a little bit more. Okay, so moving on to what is good gut health. So there's anywhere from around, there's inconclusive research on this, and we definitely need more research in this area, but there's anywhere, as we know of right now, from around 1,200 to 2,000-ish species of different kind of gut bacteria within your gut and this gut bacteria these are actually live microorganisms that live within your gut lining and they help to break down and to process the food that you eat to extract the nutrients so you can kind of think of them as your second eaters right you eat whatever it is that you eat the food that you're ingesting the liquids that you're ingesting and the bacteria and microorganisms in your gut eat that food in order to break it down to its most basic components so that you can absorb it. And there's anywhere from an estimated 30 to 400 trillion microbes present in the human gut. And that is a huge range. And so this is kind of highlights where we need a lot more research in this area. And the research is really, really new on gut health and things like that, which is part of the reason we can't make any super big, bold claims around what gut health is and what it does. There are just kind of some very basic things that we're just starting to skim the surface of. And it, there's also more microbes, more microorganisms present in some people's gut than other people's gut. It's in general, it's healthier to have more microorganisms and more microbes present in your gut versus being on the lower end. A healthy gut has not only a greater number of gut bacteria than an unhealthy gut, but also a larger variety. So there's, like we mentioned, tons of different species and varieties, and you want to have as many of those species present within your gut as possible, as well as a great number of each one of those species present. The whole collection of microorganisms and bacteria within the gut is called your microbiome. So you might have heard the word microbiome or even microbiota um, referred to before and that's what that means. It's just all these bacteria in your gut. Every The whole uh, ecosystem of organisms within your gut, that's called the microbiome. The number and variety of the microbiome allows the body to more efficiently process and extract different types of nutrients from the food you eat and turn them into energy and help those nutrients be 
used for various purposes throughout the body more efficiently. So the more the more bacteria basically that you have and the larger uh, diversity and microbiome that you have, the more efficiently you're going to be able to produce energy, the more efficiently you're going to be able to extract nutrients from the food that you eat, etc., etc. A healthy gut contains a good diversity and balance of healthy bacteria and helps produce chemicals and enzymes as well to help break down the food that you eat. So like I keep talking about nutrient extraction and that really comes down to breaking down the food that you eat into its simplest form. So after you eat a food, it has to be broken down and this is where the nutrients are extracted and then absorbed into the bloodstream. A strong and diverse microbiome helps fend off bad bacteria. So it's actually going to be um, able to handle things like uh, illnesses and sicknesses. And even um, you hear of like feeding bad bacteria in the gut by like eating refined sugars or eating refined grains or things like that. You may have heard that those things are horrible for your gut. But if you have a really strong and diverse microbiome, then you're actually able to better handle these things. And that's really one of the places where balance comes into nutrition, right? So if you're eating, if you have a really strong microbiome, and we'll talk about how you can eat to get that in a little bit, then you're not going to have as hard of a time fighting off the bad bacteria that enter your gut or your microbiome or that you ingest. And so that the bad bacteria is not going to outnumber the good bacteria as easily. So if you just focus on the good bacteria, the bad bacteria will most of the time take care of itself. Now the gut uh, and the microbiome actually goes beyond just digesting food. Uh, there's hormones that are produced within the gut as well. Microbiome um, imbalance in the microbiome, so more bad bacteria than there is good bacteria or just an unhealthy balance between those two, has actually been linked to many hormone disorders. And some of those links are not quite clear yet as to exactly if it's correlation or causation or what's happening there. Like I said, we do need a lot more research, but there have been many hormone disorders that are linked to um, gut issues, quote unquote, or microbiome imbalances. Microbes produce an enzyme called, and here's an example of um, a hormone imbalance that could be caused or partially caused by gut issues. Um, but again, I'm not your doctor, I'm not diagnosing anything. But microbes produce an enzyme called beta-glucuronate. Beta, sorry, I have a really hard time pronouncing this every single time. Beta-glucuronidis. You can look it up, sorry. Sorry I butchered that. <laughs> but <clears throat> this enzyme can actually converts estrogen into its active forms. And so some forms of estrogen dominance, estrogen dominance or estrogen imbalances can be improved by improving your microbiome. That's just one example of a way that the microbiome in, influences hormones. There's also a specific group of microbes that make up what's called your estrogen Estrobolome, sorry, I'm just having a really hard time with pronunciation today. Um, but your estrobolome, sorry, bear with me guys, consists of bacterial genes that are capable of metabolizing estrogens. So basically, that's how your body metabolizes estrogens, which is really important because estrogen's a, an important promoter of tissue growth throughout the body, so not... Um, not just ovary tissue, but muscle tissue, tissue growth all over throughout your body. So we really want to make sure that we're producing and metabolizing estrogens at a really efficient level in order for to have a healthy endocrine system. 
In addition, around 90% of the serotonin in your brain is produced by bacteria in the gut first. So think about that. If over 90% of your serotonin is produced by the bacteria in your gut, think about the impact that poor gut health or a poor microbiome balance or diversity or number, think about what that could do for your mental health. In addition, serotonin is also needed for sleep for melatonin production. So serotonin is directly linked to melatonin production. You need to have serotonin in order to produce melatonin. And so maintaining a healthy sleep cycle is going to be really hard if you don't have enough serotonin being produced in your brain. Having enough serotonin produced in your brain is going to be really hard if the organ is, or the organ organism that makes up 90% of the serotonin in your brain is not at a healthy place. So all of these things are linked to each other um, kind of in a direct and indirect manner. In addition, maintaining a healthy sleep schedule actually helps promote a natural rhythm of serotonin and melatonin production. So there's it's a it's a two-way street here. So a healthy microbiome helps to produce healthy levels of serotonin and melatonin, and a healthy sleep cycle helps to enforce a healthy cycle of rises and drops in serotonin and melatonin production throughout the day. So maintaining a healthy sleep cycle can help improve your microbiome health. Improving your microbiome health can help you maintain a healthy sleep cycle and a healthy mental status. So that's just a few examples of how the gut and the hormones are related. There's tons of other ones such as uh, gut issues have been linked to thyroid disorders. They've been linked to even some certain types of cancers, chemotherapy, things like that. But Again, for the purposes of this podcast and just what we're going to cover today, we won't get into that. I also don't want to confuse you guys because I'm not a doctor, so I'm not diagnosing anything, but these are just some things to consider when you're thinking about gut health. Okay, so how do we improve our gut health? What Now that we know kind of what it means to have good gut health, how can we kind of move in that direction if we fear that maybe we don't have the best gut health? So first of all, we're born with some bacteria already present in the gut. And we obtain this through ingestion still within the womb and then also as we enter the world through our mother's vaginal canal. Um, This is also uh, babies who have been, who have been delivered through C-section have also noted, been noted to have less diversity and a less strong microbiome. And that's probably part of the reason. However, like I said, Research is inconclusive, but that's highly likely. So we're born with some gut bacteria already. This gets stronger as we get, our microbiome just naturally gets stronger as we get older because we're exposed to more bacteria, we ingest more food, um, so more bacterial species, a wider variety gets introduced to our body and our body's able to encompass that and hang on to that. We're also in, our microbiome is also influenced by some environmental factors, such as where we live. So the bacteria that's present in your environment is obviously heavily dependent on where you are in the world, where you spend most of your time inside versus outside, um, in your home versus in a public space, et cetera, et cetera. How we sleep, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Your lifestyle, your exercise, your genetics, your gender, your age, all of these things can influence your microbiome to some extent. Um, but your microbiome, the by far the biggest thing that you have control over for maintaining a healthy microbiome or improving your microbiome health is your food that you're eating. So 
The bacteria within your microbiome, they feed on different types of fiber in the food that you eat. So there's actually tons of different types of fiber in whole foods that you're eating and even in some processed foods that you're eating. And different bacteria feed on the different types of fiber. So not only is eating healthy important for a diverse and healthy microbiome, but eating a wide variety of foods. So eating the same three healthy foods, like you hear of a lot of bodybuilders, for example, eating like chicken and broccoli and sweet potatoes, like five meals a day, every single day. Those are all quote unquote healthy foods, but you're not going to have a very diverse microbiome if you're only eating the same foods all the time because the bacteria that feeds on other types of fibers isn't going to be needed. So it's going to die off. So you might have a very large number of or yeah you might have a very large like quantity of bacteria within your gut because you're eating a lot of whole foods so that encourages the bacteria to break down those foods so those are going to be those species are going to be really strong but all the other species are going to die off and that's not ideal even if you have a large number of the good species you do have now we don't need every single type of species all the time because we don't live in a different place in the world every single day, right? So a lot of the different types of species that you have are gonna be individual to where you live, the types of foods you have access to, the bacteria that you're exposed to on a daily basis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we don't need every, obviously we don't need every type of bacteria present in our microbiome to have a healthy microbiome, because that would be like really overwhelming and really, really hard to obtain. But we do want as much diversity as we can get. So trying to get a good diversity of food throughout your day or your week or your month is a really, really good idea. Even if you alternate, like I, I suggest for a lot of my clients to, for example, alternate their whole food sources from week to week. So maybe one week they stick to you know green beans for their primary vegetable the next week they go to broccoli the next week they go to brussels sprouts something like that it doesn't have to look exactly like that or maybe you eat totally different foods every single day and that's fine too but for some people that's kind of overwhelming so it doesn't have to be every single day that you're eating different foods just throughout the scope of you know your routine your weekly routine your monthly routine you should have a wide variety of different foods in order to maintain the best gut health that you can um there. So you can also take a probiotic. So that's kind of introducing bacteria that you might be missing into your gut. But again, this bacteria will die off if you don't give it something to feed on. So taking a probiotic is great, especially if you're like in conjunction with an antibiotic or to help um, reintroduce those good bacteria into your gut that the antibiotic is killing off. But you still need to give those good bacteria a reason to stick around, right? So by eating lots of whole foods, and I say a lot of whole foods because the whole foods are really what the gut bacteria feeds on. Foods that are less nutrient dense, there's not a lot of nutrients to break down, so the bacteria in your gut don't have to do that much work. So like highly processed or, I don't like the term empty calories, but um, food that's not very micronutrient dense doesn't feed your gut bacteria very efficiently. Also food that's low in fiber tends to feed your gut bacteria less efficiently than foods that are higher in fiber because the bacteria do feed on fiber. Okay, so you can introduce actual bacteria into the gut by taking a probiotic, but not all bacteria survives your stomach acid and goes into your small intestine to colonize. And that's really important. So if you're, the stomach is pretty high up on the chain of in your gut, your 
GI tract. So if all the bacteria is dying in your stomach from your stomach acid and not colonizing to the small intestine, then it's not really reaching the place where it's benefiting you very much. And so some bacteria can, and like some probiotics can survive stomach acid. That's why it's important to find a good quality probiotic and not just pick like a random probiotic off the shelf because some of them are better than others. And sometimes you may pick a probiotic that says it has, you know, 8 billion CFUs, which sounds great, but only 1 billion of those are actually surviving your stomach acid. So do your research, find a good probiotic if you are going to go that route and take a probiotic. I recommend that most people take a probiotic just for overall general health. But like I said, it has to be a good one and you have to kind of do your research there. Um, so, but even then, even if you have a really good probiotic, there are some species of bacteria that just can't survive stomach acid, no matter how good your probiotic is formulated. And there are some bacteria that's actually not, not in existence outside of your gut lining. So it's created within your gut by feeding on other foods. And so the only way to get those species of bacteria is to be eating the foods that it feeds on. And then when those foods are digested and broken down, then the bacteria that those specific strains of bacteria will be created. So taking a probiotic is not a cure-all for having good digestive or good gut health. You need to also be eating some foods to make sure that you're getting those bacterial species that can't be eaten or can't be formulated outside of the gut and that need to be created within the gut. Some of those are also um, created just via like lifestyle factors, like maintaining a healthy hormone cycle, maintaining a healthy sleep cycle, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also making sure that you limit bad bacterial exposure. Like I said, the stronger your microbiome is, the better chance you have at fighting off bad bacteria when it does enter your body. So people with a strong microbiome probably don't get sick as often. Um, they don't get things like yeast infections or other types of yeast or bacterial overgrowth infections quite as often because their strong microbiome is able to fend off those bad bacteria and that bad yeast, etc., etc. So having a strong and healthy microbiome is also hugely related to having a strong immune system and having a good immune system. So being able to fight off those bad bacteria is obviously really important and it becomes easier and easier if you have a healthy microbiome. Now, how long does it take to get a healthy microbiome or to improve your gut health? Say you're experiencing some gut health issues, maybe frequent sicknesses, bloating, um, mental health issues, things like that. How long should you expect to dedicate to a protocol where you're improving your microbiome or trying to actively improve your gut health? And so the really cool thing about this is that changes can start to occur in your microbiome within just 24 hours of improving your diet. 24 to 72 hours is about the amount of time that it takes upon improving your diet to start seeing those changes. Now that's really cool. You can literally start changing your health in one to three days just by starting to eat better today. But depending on your starting point, don't expect to rebuild your microbiome completely in one to three days. It can take anywhere upwards of six months, depending on kind of where your starting point is, what your what issues you're experiencing, uh, how long you've been experiencing them, why you're experiencing them, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're just like, I don't really experience that many issues, but I want to be proactive and I want to have good gut health because that sounds great, 
then yeah, 24 to 72 hours, maybe within a week of eating better, you're going to start to like feel a lot better and experience a lot of those changes. Maybe it'll take a month. It's really hard to say, but if you're someone who has some more serious issues that you're dealing with, you could be looking at two, three, four, six, maybe even more months of kind of dedicating yourself to better microbiome health or improving your gut health. So keep in mind that it's, you got to be in this for the long haul. A lot of these things have to be dietary changes that you're willing to just permanently integrate into your lifestyle, not just be like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, a quote unquote gut cleanse or a gut health cleanse for a week because it doesn't really work that way. Maintenance is needed for this bacterial change to be continued, right? So you can't just introduce these new bacteria or this diversified bacterial profile and expect it to stay without doing the maintenance work. If you stop eating those good foods, if you stop eating that nutrient diversity, if you stop eating that fiber, those bacteria are going to die off. So maintenance is needed for any change that you make to improve your gut health and improve your microbiome health. But hopefully by embarking on the journey or taking the first step to improve your gut health, you will start to understand what it means to live a lifestyle that is conducive to a healthy microbiome and a healthy gut. Okay, so like I said, this podcast could be hours and hours long because the gut is so, so complex and so diverse and we know so little about it, yet there's so much to go over. I could make this podcast literally hours and hours and dive into so much more science, but I just want to go over the kind of the basics today. So we're going to wrap it up there. So for a summary, the gut is the GI tract. It processes all the food and the nutrients that you eat, and it creates important hormones, plays a role in energy production, immune system function, etc., etc. It contains billions of microorganisms that feed on fiber and nutrients in the food that you eat, as well as healthy lifestyle and hormone factors. A healthy gut has a good balance of good and bad bacteria. So it doesn't mean that bad bacteria never sees a healthy gut. It just means that you have a strong enough profile of healthy and diverse bacteria within your gut to be able to fight off bad bacteria. And we actually need to introduce some bad bacteria sometimes because that strengthens the good bacteria when it fights away the bad bacteria. So if we're never introducing any bad bacteria, then the good bacteria within our gut doesn't learn to fend off bad bacteria, essentially. You Limiting bad bacteria so that it doesn't it's not present in excess is a good idea and you can do that via some dietary factors via obviously not you know eating manure things like that um, but if you're focusing on eating a lot of fi- nutrient dense fiber dense whole foods there's going to be less room for more processed foods that typically tend to feed the bad bacteria in your gut anyways so this is usually not something i place as much of a focus on as i would just increasing the foods that produce good gut bacteria, if that makes sense. So bacteria is largely affected by your food intake, but it's also affected by your lifestyle, environmental factors, and some other things that are uncontrollable, like your age, your gender, your uh, ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And last point to remember is that you must maintain good habits for sustained changes in gut health. So try to think of any gut health protocol that you're embarking on as a lifestyle change so don't try to be doing things like juice cleanses or kefir cleanses that obviously you're only going to be doing for a week and then the benefits are going to disappear after a week 
So try to be incorporating small lifestyle changes that you're going to be able to maintain on a long-term basis. If you're treating something that's more acute, like um, a disease or an infection or something like that, then that's obviously maybe a little bit of a different story. Maybe you need to take some sort of specified medication or something like that. But if you're just looking to improve the overall health of your microbiome and your gut, then you need to make changes that are sustainable over a long period of time. All right, so that concludes our episode today on gut health, what gut health is, what it does, and why you should care about it. I hope that it wasn't too overwhelming, but I hope that you also learned something and that you enjoyed this episode. And make sure to like this, share this on your Instagram feed, share it on Spotify, share it with your friends, subscribe to this channel to learn more in future episodes and help support the growth of this podcast so that I can keep producing this content for you guys. Okay, sorry, I'm a little winded from talking too much. Sorry of my life. But thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time on another episode of the Sexy Strong Sustainable Podcast.